As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staple Show. we got a very special guest for you today. Baylor head coach Dave Aranda joins us and... I got to say, this is one of the more interesting conversations I have had with a head football coach at the college level. He is just a a different dude, which he'll be the first to tell you. He, he, he basically puts it as he thinks he's weird. I am not entirely sure if he is as weird as he thinks he is, but I imagine if you spent your entire life around other college football coaches, then you, you probably do feel a little bit different if you are like Dave Aranda, who is you know very introverted, uh, very much kind of up in his own head at times, and he'll tell you this. These are not bad things because what's really interesting about Dave Aranda is he's found a way to craft a coaching style around his personality that really fits his personality, and you saw it really take off last year at Baylor. The first year was tough, but the pandemic was on. Year two, they win the Big 12 title. And I think we got a better idea of what Dave Aranda is going to be like as a head coach. I think Dave Aranda got a better idea of what he's going to be like as a head coach. And he talks about that in the interview, some of the mistakes he made in the first year, some of the things he did to correct those in the second year. And I really do think in the age of the transfer portal, coaches like Dave Aranda are going to be the ones that, that other coaches come to. Just like you would go to a guy to say, well, how do you defend this offense? You can go to a guy and say, how do you build this culture? How do you handle players in this situation. Dave Rander probably has some pretty good advice for that because he's coming at it from a little bit different perspective. And you can say, oh, well, this is just soft and you're coddling this this younger generation. Not necessarily. I just think you have to communicate with, with this generation differently. And if you watch Baylor play or if you watched LSU's defense or Wisconsin's defense or Utah State's defense when Dave Rander was coaching them, Soft is not the word you would ever choose to use. So he gets the desired result. He produces these tough teams that play well together, but he does it in a very different way. So let's talk to Dave Aranda about how he does that. Here with Baylor coach Dave Aranda, coach of the defending Big 12 champion Bears, and we are talking about coaching styles. Before we started recording, Dave, we, we, we were talking about who you were before. Cause one of your, one of your assistants had asked me to ask you, 
when did he go from being a scheme guy, an X's and O's guy, to a culture guy, to a to a this is a, a global holistic approach? And and you, it was interesting because you were telling me that before at previous jobs you had all these ideas about how to treat players, how to how you would handle this differently if you were in charge, but you so rarely voiced them. Why was that? Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. Um, you know, coming up in college, I was philosophy major and um, was at a school called California Lutheran University, and so it's. It's uh, out there in Thousand Oaks, California's Division Three school. It's a sister school to Pacific Lutheran University. There's a coach over there named Frosty Westering. He's he's been passed now for a couple of years, but it's a Hall of Fame coach, and he um, he would talk about um, you know make the big time where you're at. And he would talk about you know celebrating people over players. He would he used something where it's like, hey, you're on the the blue car, which is you're in the blue car, which is on the success road, or you're on the red car, which is the the road to success. And, you know, you're never going to get there. We were just talking about that earlier. And so like, and then I would study religions and study um, sports psychology and everything. And, and uh, always just a way, just strong interest in all that. And, you know, getting into coaching, obviously you love to get into the details of it and the mastery of it, but all of that, background with philosophy and religion and um, sports psychology and just all that was always there and I'd always I'd always try to live my life that way but I knew that the when I put it into words I just knew that this does not fit <laughs> you know <laughs> right I'm going to get some looks here yeah, and so yeah. I would never say it out loud yeah. and I would never I would try to live my life that way but I just never felt um, I guess safe to say it, and you'd coach your guys that way because you're mm-hmm. you you know you have these tough defenses at Wisconsin mm-hmm. at LSU. You're you're coaching some of the best athletes in the world, like Derek Stingley, who you coach there is mm-hmm. going in the first round next week, uh, and you got results mm-hmm. like that. How how often did other coaches come to you and say, Dave, how do you do this without yelling? How do you do this? You know, being as as philosophical as you are. No, I, yeah. So at at LSU, we would have um, college coaches. They were every you know during spring ball, particularly. But there would be maybe three or four, five staffs a week, you know, visiting, and they would come and we'd have them in our staff, our defensive staff meeting. And I think what the expectation was, a couple of them told me this afterwards, was like, you know, I'm a, I would be up there you know, drawing this, drawing that, saying we're doing this, saying we're going to do that. And and what it was instead was me sitting in the back asking questions and kind of probing our assistants and getting their input and kind of catering maybe a thought that I had to what they had to because they know our people. It's almost and, like a law school class. Correct. And so they just came away going, this was not what I thought it was going <laughs> to be. And so I, where's the gumbo, you know, for lunch. <laughs> and so it was, so I think like the, you know, those, those processes were always there, but you know, and I can just, you know, my son being a baseball player and, you know, he would make a mistake and, and the coach would come to him and I'm, you're kind of sitting there as a parent holding your breath going, you know, we've worked so hard, 
with Ronan to kind of take chances and get improve in this aspect. And it didn't work at this particular time. You know, I'm watching this interaction. Is the coach gonna gonna uh, lift him up or is he gonna drown him right now, man? Yeah. If he drowns him, it's so much work we gotta do to bring him back up. So I, you know, as a parent, you're holding your breath with that because you know your son and everything else. And then, you know, I just I think for me as a coach, like when I'm being yelled at or I'm being whatever else that's generally not going to bring the best out in me or, you know, going to give me uh, confidence to kind of put myself out there and assert this or that. I'm just, I'm not wired like that. And, and so just recognizing that in other people and, um, recognizing that, uh, you know, you're coaching, um, you know, people's sons, you know, I think that all kind of informs the philosophy. So it, it, there does seem to be a divide now because you get these people who say, I don't, I don't want no hippie football coach. You got you to be kicking ass and yelling. But I find when I talk to people who played the game, and especially people who played the game at, the, at a high level, they feel like there are a lot of different ways to, mm-hmm. to do the job. And, and I'm curious with you because you've talked about this philosophy. You watch your team play. You are one of the toughest teams in the Big 12. You play very sound defense. You have a very physical offensive line. These are all things that everyone ascribes to the, you know, just yelling and and my way or the highway culture. So how do you get that out of those players doing it the way you do it? Building connection, you know, I think the opposite of that, of connection, be fitting in. And I think if the focus is on the player and, you know, what – you know, as a player, I have to do this to be valued. I have to do this to be seen. Um, then I think there is um, a fitting in piece that comes off the field with them as people. Um, I think if you put the person first and you come from a connection and uh, being seen, heard, and valued, and then you're operating from value. Mm-hmm to whatever you're doing. And I think it's just much stronger, but I think, you know, the hard part for that with coaches is you got to get out of your own way. And I think, you know, there's a um, kind of an upbringing that a lot of us have where it's hard to do that. And, uh, you know, you've got it. We were talking earlier about so many times we're so good at, at, at looking outward and, and say, I'd use the word lens and Mm -hmm. picking up on, on, you know, tactical or schematic or technical areas we can improve or critiques and this and that. And really the work is to, to um, go from a lens to a mirror and see kind of what's, you know, what's driving me, you know, what are, what are my blind spots? What, what are, you know, here's the importance of seeing it from, you know, other perspectives, you know, what's my, what's my, uh, real influence here. I think all of those things, I mean, it, you know, that work takes work. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. You may be coming along at kind of a perfect time as a head coach, though, because I look at your program you have not lost guys to the transfer. I'll feel free to knock on wood, but you have not lost guys to the transfer portal for reasons other than playing time. You know, and and other coaches are losing guys who are contributors to the transfer portal. That says to me that people want to be here, that they want to play f- for you. How do you foster the atmosphere where people feel like they are being fulfilled here and don't go look elsewhere? I think, um, you know, it's, that's a good question. I think of the pit right away when you talk about that and just the, how transformative that can be. And so, you know, staff wise and then team wise, we've talked about like four different levels of learning. Like the number one would be like unconscious incompetence. So you don't know that you don't know or ignorance is bliss. You're being taught something and it's like, you know, um, you can go out and just um, play real fast, but there's no real polish to it. There's no real uh, sophistication to it. You don't know and you don't know that you don't know. So there's going to be some, there's going to be some, um, you know, um, unveiling soon and probably not going to be good. And as coaches, we're all, you know, hey, this is our system and everything else. So we're coaching this and don't push off the ball of your foot, push off this and drop your hip and point your toe and all this other thing. So then what ends up happening is you're walking along level one and you fall to level two and that's the pit. So now that is conscious incompetence. So now you know that you don't know. And and I wish, you know, with our players and our coaches, we try to talk about that, you know, football is what you do, it's not who you are, but I think the majority of our young people coming in, that is like turning around a tanker, man, yeah. out in the sea. And that just takes that takes a lot of work to do. And so what ends up happening now, the young people are in the pit and they're, you know, I suck. You know, I, I don't belong here. I can't, you know, I can't do anything right, you know? And so they they're all of those losses that they've, this is been, most freshman correct. football players in America. Correct. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a problem with the transfer portal, you know? And so I think they're down. And so the, I think as coaches, what we don't want to do is be at the top of the pit looking in going, what, what are you effing doing? Effing get this done. or I'm going to get someone else that can do it. Yeah. We don't want to do that. And so what we want to do is, if, is get, is and it's not about, the level of expectation it's going to the level of where they're at mm-hmm. and that's going into the pit with them. And I think, you know, the, the pit is like, you can't fight your way out of it. You have to, you have, there has to be vulnerability. You have to find your way out of the pit. You know, we've in this, in our team meeting, we've used 
I think it's like the Dark Knight Rises or something. Where uh, I think Batman Bane. Bane, yeah, and his Batman's back is broken, his spirit is broken, and he is out in the desert, which I think is symbolic, and he is in a pit, and there's a um. Like you a merely blind. adopted the darkness. I Correct. was born into it. That's yeah. right. And so there's a blind, there's like a blind kind of mentor, and you know, Batman's thing was kind of embracing fear as opposed to controlling it. And so to do that, he had to let go of a rope because he had to jump from one side of the pit to the other to climb out. And um, you know, to let to not use the rope is to let go of your comfort zone to get out of your comfort zone. That's the growth that gets you out. And I just think coaches are so central to that. And so I think all of the story is to say that that the pit is the transformational piece, like how that is handled to, to, to get you. Yeah. And then once you get to, to conscious competence and correct, uh, correct. Then, then, then you're on level ground, correct. you're confident. And then you're after that, and then after that, yeah. So conscious competence then would be, you're kind of a mechanical man. You're, you're doing the right stuff, but you're thinking about it. And, you know, I think of like driving, of my daughter passing, you know, getting her driver's license. And so, you know, it's uh, terrifying. Yeah. I don't want to think my, 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 I got one that's about to turn 13 and I, three years from now I'm terrified. Yeah. So if you look at all this and that, it's so like one would be like, you know, she may think she's got it down and then she takes the test and there's all these things and she's in the pit. And then level three would be, she gets her, her permit and now she's going to take a left turn. And she, she puts the whatever the, the turn, the signal, turn on, yeah. signal on, maybe yeah. two blocks in front of where she's <laughs> yeah. turning, and she so starts she's, breaking like you know, way ahead of the stop sign. And yep, then you know level four was going to be unconscious incompetence. So now you're driving, not even thinking about it. Yeah, and there's so many people that are doing that now because they're on their phones or whatever else. But you know, so I think like you see that all the time. But I think how you know, I think like there's a um, I think Barack Obama was on the Today Show a, a few forget when this was, and he's talking about parenting. And he said, you know, our goal, the goal for us as parents is to teach our kids not to need us anymore. And so, you know, it hurts, but to have them as thoughtful, kind, responsible, considerate people. And so I think, you know, I look at that with players and I look at that with coaches, right? Mm -hmm. And so like if, if we can get an assistant coach that can move on and we can we can have an environment where he's training and for the next guy to come up yeah. and promote would be great. And then, um, you know, I, I think for our players, for them to be able to, to when young guys come in, I think we can get young guys playing faster if they can, if they can um, give them the tips of their trade of, of how this works and just all of it. But I think all of all of that goes back to the pit and how that's handled. Because I think words, you know, are a bunch of words, but I think those actions of how that's handled says everything. So you got here and inherited a team that had been through all sorts of coaching issues. It, you know, it had bad times, it had good times, they'd lost the, you know, things had gotten going and then they lost their coach again. How did you build trust with, with this roster? Um, yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot of times where I would talk to, um, our players and our staff and, uh, you know, I could see in their faces, some of them after, after a while, they would tell me that they don't believe it, but I could see this is prior to that. I could see in their faces that they don't 
believe what I'm right, saying. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, what's this guy talking about? And so, I don't know. I wasn't really put in that situation, so I don't really know what to do either. And so, we just kind of end the meeting, and it's like, I'm, and they walk out, and I go, This guy doesn't believe me at all. And so, you know, and I, it, um, you know, I think that it, 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 it helped me become better because, you know, you're always going to have thoughts, you know, you're, your thoughts of who you are and you know and my wife and i go through this quite a bit is if we could read each other's minds it'd be so much easier (laughs) particularly for me and but i think you know it's the actions that are the thing and so like you know i i just think one of my weaknesses for me is that i'm all up in my head too much and so i have to be able to bring that down Mm. to reality and to be able to move with it and so that really helped me with that and it was it's hard those looks i can still have them in my memory but i think those those were you know action starters for me and so I think you just kind of stay with it. And, and when you have the ups and the downs, so the good and the bad that you don't, you, you stay consistent. And so then the, I think, I think all of it is people are coming from a real, especially with the coaching changes, just a real, you know, a view of this, this guy's fake. This isn't real. This is a ploy. This is, you know, uh, recruiting. This is their BS detectors had to correct. be just off the charts correct. sensitive at that point. Correct. And so I think just staying the course and um, going through the process and them seeing it and everything, I think was the thing. And I think, you know, the so much of the approach for me is philosophical. And so I think um, for young people, I think a lot of their, like we talked about identities and what they do. And so if you know, you have to kind of meet that head on to kind of get it to, to where, you know, I think, and something we talk about like be you, but align with us. And mm-hmm. so like you're, you know, we've got some great characters on the team and just great, you know, just much more outgoing than me and, and probably more joyful than me and just all of it. And so I want, we want them to be all of that, man, but just kind of move w- with us, man, go by our standards and all that. And so like all of these things, can be misunderstood so easily and can just be, um, you know, neglected and abused and all of it. And so it's just really the simple things, um, whether to communicate and to do are often the hardest things. And so it's really staying the course with that. And so you you came in that first year, it's COVID, you've got, you know, less chance to get to know your players than Mm -hmm. any less chance to put in the stuff you're trying to do. And it's a tough year. Mm-hmm. You decide at the end of that year you have to overhaul your offense. Mm-hmm. How hard was that decision to make, given everything that that had happened before, and the fact that you're you're still trying to gain these guys' trust? Yeah, it's very hard. I thought, um, yeah. Well, that was the pit for me. Oh, okay, so that's I was in the pit there as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. I think like part of the learning, so like you, there would be people that would come in to the office and I'm, I'm thankful that they did cause it's just their, their, you know, they felt comfortable to do it and they would go, well, Dave, you know, the coach before used to do this or you should think about doing that. And I don't know, you'd be, you'd be around dog that 
doesn't want to be petted and you kind of come up to it and it'd be like, yeah. you know, so in my right. gut, I'm getting the, yeah. and I'd have to like quiet that down because, you know, it's a hard truth that I'm hearing, but it's true. Right. And it's like, Dave, get out of the way, man. You know? And so like that was the start of the pit. And then this other piece of like, you know, we started this thing and, and I think we talked about earlier, whereas when you don't talk to people and you don't, and you're not initially, you know, um, putting yourself out there to be relatable. You don't know how weird you are. And I wish there was a better way of saying that, but I didn't know, you know, and so. I don't think you're as weird as you think you are, by the way. Well, I think just the, 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 I don't know the the, I don't want to say ethics, but just the, the value on relationships and just trying to treat people right. And just not, and just all of that. I think that just goes, that all that goes pretty strong. And so you want to be around people that see that. And, you know, it was different at LSU and Wisconsin, other spots. I would, I would hire, you know, lower level kind of entry level positions, but it was all for what they did. It was never for who they were. Right. So I never even saw hiring in that phase. And so when you get a head coaching job, I don't know, at times you may think, well, you know, I can be around the people I want to be around, but that you're, that that thought is divorced from the fact that all you know is hiring people for what they do. Right. And then on top of that, you have, you know, there's administrative, Hey, you might want to think about right. this. And then there's, there's, um, what is it? Uh, agents. Yep. Hey, you might want to think about that. And so like, I just was not prepared for that. And, um, so all of that to say that was my mistake. And so to be in a mirror, and see that and then own up to it. And then there's people's families that have moved and there's houses that are being built and there's all this stuff, man. So it's just way heartbreaking, way sad. And then, yeah. And then you've got to go figure out what to do next. Mm -hmm. How how did you decide Jeff Grimes was, was that guy? Well, part of the, part of the, um, in being in the pit is the, is, you know, and so like, and I still fight with this some now is that, you know, like, so like my story or my feelings are fleeting and then I'll fill the space with, you know, I don't know, maybe a book that I've read mm-hmm. or a story I heard from someone else or something I saw on ESPN. And it's like taking more time to, or really to own my story. Yeah. And to own who I am and all of that. And I think that was a big leadership lesson for me. And I think, you know, um, part of that work in, in that November, December time was that, man, like the defenses that we would run at whatever schools were always real basic and simple. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that with the thought that simple can be sophisticated, right. And that, um, you know, um, being good at a few things and not being, you know, doing a bunch of stuff and not being good in any of it, having a real strong identity. And so just trying to have that on offense is where, right. is where we run, found run, Jeff. Find an offense where you can run a few plays really well, dress Correct. it up formationally so that the defense isn't looking at the Correct. same picture every time, but that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get a reliably, Violent offense, as, right. uh, as Jeff calls it. Mm-hmm. So we'll be right back after these words. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned this before we started recording, but I want to go back to that last play of the Big 12 championship game mm-hmm. because that was one of those great – I mean, I think for guys our age, we always remember the, mm-hmm. the end of the Super Bowl with the Rams and the Titans with mm-hmm. Kevin Dyson reaching out for the goal line. You guys had that same situation, championship on the line, guy with the ball reaching out for the goal line and one of your players coming from the other side of the field to mm-hmm. – to make that not happen. Mm -hmm. I realize in the moment, you're probably not thinking about everything that went into that. Mm -hmm. But when you look back, how much of that play is kind of a culmination of what you guys had done the previous two seasons? Yeah, all of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So just going back to that moment, I remember... I remember Coach Gundy right afterward, right after the game, coming to shake my hand and just being so like present, and that st- struck me right there because I I know that that you know for his the season they had and where they were at at that particular time and the way that game ended for them, and you're talking about you know I don't know six inches or whatever it is and then for him to be as gracious and all that it's just i remember thinking man i i I hope to be like that Mm. when this happens to me you know and so um so right when you're talking i that comes to mind um um with jaron i mean his whole career since i've known him i i think of a smile right just infectious smile i think of him being the standard so whatever we would talk about or whatever we wanted to implement he was always one of the guys that was that uh was was doing it and so we'd use him as examples and he was always where he needed to be and he would always be doing the stuff that he needed to be doing and he would do it in a way that would invite be inviting and encouraging for others and so for him you know so that particular play i think you know, um, I think defensively we thought it was the, some personnel. It was another personnel, right? The call was for this other personnel. Yeah. And guys were looking and, hey, call timeout. And, you know, we got to get another call. We got to get this right. So all of that's happening. And so then it becomes now, right, it, hey, stuff's not working. Can we make it work? And so I think when it gets to that level, it's what we're talking about. It's the day. It's how 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 we handled something that didn't work in April 
how we handled something that wasn't that we didn't feel like or it wasn't working out great in June or July all ties in it all builds you know yeah. I think today we're going to show a clip of um of Bill Belichick when I think it was the Bills and they had him in the snow and it was like they ran for however many yards oh, and, yeah. and, and in they the locker three room times yeah yeah and in the locker room afterwards Belichick goes this is why we train in this stuff you know or something yeah. like that and so like that's the thought really with off the field and on the field is that you know everything is training for something and so i think like so that and then i think the the other piece with it is um you know just that those six inches and it's now it's like you know i'm sitting here doing an interview with you i had i was in um uh where was atlantic city for an award show and I met Coach Vermeil, and he brought up that situation. Oh, that's We're amazing. talking wow, that. that's and amazing. So it's just like all of that, man. And it's, you're talking about like six, you know, eight inches, you know, whatever it was, man, half a yard, you know, however long that was. Of and you're talking about the difference between that. It's just you, it's the day to day little things add up for that thing for sure. Well, and and that's what you you talk a lot about process over outcome and we hear that from a lot of nick saban is is Mm -hmm. very famous for Mm -hmm. for talking about that but it's one of those things that i I asked you before we started recording because i i don't feel like i got that until i was 40 years old Mm -hmm. till i had kids till till i was more you stop i Mm -hmm. probably i think having kids Mm -hmm. where you kind of naturally stop thinking about yourself and just start thinking about them Mm -hmm. kind of helps push you in that Mm -hmm. that direction Mm -hmm. But that's one of those things that that play is a prime example of process mm-hmm. over outcome. It's it's just sort of going to the checklist in your head. Okay, w- w- this defense is not called for the correct personnel, mm-hmm. but what do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, we saw this in practice, and when this happened, we did this, and when this happened, we did this, and it and it and it all happened so fast. But that is what is going through those players' minds. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like um, you know. If it's um, like a practice today or it's, you know, last night we had, um, it was Golden Bruiser. So it's like an SB style Baylor Mm -hmm. Athletics Award show. And we wanted everyone to be early and we want our whole team to be there. And we want everyone to be dressed appropriately and just all of it. And I remember last year we went and it was a thing. It was, it was, we were not, we were in the throes of, of, um, of uh, trying to get everything across. And so it was not very clean last year. And so this year, like we were like the first team there and everyone's looking at me. It's like, are we this early? And I go, well, you know, and so like the, I, I just think like those things, right. Those are reps on like, what are the, the hard things you guys say yes to? What are the easy things you're doing right now? You got to say no to, like all of those things count, man. Yeah, it all matters. Right? You, yeah. you can't divorce. You know, the this is off the field, and I'm just going to be like this. And then when it's on the field, I'm gonna click it in because there's just so many levels of trying to do the right thing. Because the higher levels you go, I remember Abram Smith talking to me about our running back last year, talking yep. me about this. He goes, you know, it's just so much noise. There's all the attention and managing the chaos of just now parent expectations and high school expect you know high school coach you know why this why that and just and abram the, switched positions last correct. year and i'm sure that was not the mm-hmm. the easiest decision in the world to, mm-hmm. yeah, to go at, from linebacker yeah, to running back yeah, at this time last year he was still um 
uh, well, I think he might have been, he might have, yeah, this time last year he was still a linebacker. So it's crazy. Golly. Yeah, it's crazy. But I think like that, that thought, I think we're just so used to divorcing, mm-hmm. right, off and on the field. And so to be able to build those connectors and show examples of, um, you know, because there's plenty of them uh, because the lights are on in so many different aspects of sports that we can show that, uh, hey, you're either trained or you're not. So you, you mentioned when coaches would come through at LSU and, and be like, is this right? This is this is what it is. Do you think you're going to have more coaches come to you now and say, can you show me how you do this? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I remember um, last. So last year. Um, going into last season, being um, being called to to talk in clinics and things, and it would be on football stuff. Yeah, and, and um, now some of the talks I'm doing are not, and so it's starting to turn a little bit. But I think you know, I don't know. It's a good question. It'll be interesting to see. I think the um, yeah, there there is. A, you know, compared to, I mean, football is easy compared to people. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it is quite a bit simpler when it's just a guy against a guy, mm-hmm. defensive end against an offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. One guy wants to get the quarterback. The other guy wants to keep him from getting the quarterback. That, yeah. yeah. It's kind of an AB proposition with, with people. It's, it's more a through Z usually. So, yeah, I think so much of it too is like, you know, the world is what we make of it. And so I just think, you know, people that have learned to, to, to play the world or play the game a certain way, I think, I think are on autopilot with some of that stuff. And it's like to pause that, stop that, and to say that, hey, this is, these are choices that we're making and the world is what we make of it. It can be whatever we want it to be. We don't have to be treating people like this or whatever it is. I think that's a hard that's a hard stop for a lot of folks. That's Baylor head coach Dave Aranda. Thanks so much for for the time. Had a great time talking to him. Again, one of the more interesting interviews I've ever had with a major college football coach. Big week ahead on Tuesday. Hendon Hooker, Tennessee quarterback, joins the show. There's also a feature in the Athletic you can read about Hendon Hooker. On Wednesday, we're going to talk some draft. On Thursday, Stars Matter. We're talking draft prospects as recruits. Now, you're going to hear a lot of when when a guy who was a two-star recruit or a, a no-star recruit gets drafted in the first round, see, stars don't matter, and we'll we'll show you how many five-stars are getting drafted in the first round. It's, it's quite a few, probably. And then on Friday, we'll be wrapping up the first round of the NFL draft. We're not recording until after it's over. It's one of the more fun shows of the year because who knows what is going to happen on, on draft night? You know, ever there might be a gas mask involved. There was a few years ago, and man, was that wild. So we'll be talking about that. So Hinton Hooker Tuesday, then it gets real draft heavy the rest of the week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you stay here. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. Go to the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. You can, you can watch us if you don't want to listen to us, or you can listen to us if you don't want to watch us. We're going to give you the show any way you want it. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you Tuesday.